you have your Bible, please turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 for our text for the message today. This will be the 34th message in the series on the whole counsel of God and will be the third message on the subject of the holiness of God. And we want to read to you our text as found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verses 3 and 7. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 3 and 7. For this is the will of God even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Now, verse 7. <coughs> Excuse me. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Quite often, the question is presented to me, Pastor, how can I know what the will of God is for my life? What is the will of God for my life? And usually the question involves around certain mystical areas of our life as to what I'm going to be doing tomorrow, what God wants me to be doing right now, and so forth. And yet the Bible speaks specifically to this issue when Paul says, notice, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? It is a life of holiness dedicated unto him. That is the will of God. Now we've seen in the subject of the holiness of God in the last two messages that the holiness of God is that attribute of God whereby he loves that which is good and he hates that which is evil. Now, we must establish that basic before that we proceed with the message today. By God's holiness, we mean that God loves that which is good, and he despises that which is evil. We've also seen in last Sunday's message that it is our duty to be holy like God, and that sin is a violation of his holiness. He says, I am holy, therefore be ye holy. That since God loves that which is good, and he hates that which is evil, and he has revealed this to us in the pages of the Bible, then it is our duty to love that which God loves, and to hate that or despise that which God despises. And he has set this forth primarily in the Ten Commandments that are given to the whole race of man. That is, it is in those commandments that God has set forth the basics of how that on the first table of stone that we are to approach him in the first four commandments. The last six commandments reveal how that we are to treat our fellow man. And it is in all of these that Jesus said is the summary is that to love God with all thy heart, mind, and soul, and thy neighbor as thyself. This is the sum of our duty before God. Now since God has revealed this as a holy duty, then it is our duty to be holy in that we should love what he loves in the commandments and we should despise that which would be a violation of the commandments of God. Today, then, we want to look at the question involving the will of God for our lives as it relates to
to holiness. Now notice First Thessalonians 4 again. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Has God called you unto salvation this morning? Has God done a work of grace in your life today? Then why did he do that? Why did God save you if he has done so this morning? Now we hear a lot preached today on the how of salvation, how God saves a sinner, how a person is converted and brought to saving relationship with Christ, but there's very little that is preached on the why of salvation. Why did God bother? Why did he save you if he has done so today? Why did Christ die? Why is there a heaven promised to those who are here on earth? Why? 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 Now there is but one clear-cut answer which the Bible rings out over and over and over again. First, God did not save you just to keep you out of punishment in hell. God did not save you just to make you happy. God did not save you just to spare you a few problems. But listen, God saved you in order that you might be holy like him. This is the why that is involved in salvation. Men are saved to be holy. Christ died to make sinners holy. Heaven is a holy place designed for a holy people. And because God is holy, there can be no one enter into his presence who is not holy. Now this is one of the basic flaws involving modern-day evangelism. Modern-day evangelism majors on just getting people to make a profession of faith in Christ without instructing them that what they are professing is that they are going to live a life of holiness unto God. And so it is uh, erroneous in that area. When men are urged to believe in Jesus, as we urge them to do, they need to be told that this involves a life of separation unto the Lord and that they are expected to live a holy lives, reckoning themselves to be dead unto sin but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Many today are pushed and pulled into some psychological concept of accepting Jesus, but they never come to see that, first of all, that Jesus is holy and that whoever identifies with his name is to live a holy life dedicated unto him. I want to read to you, without commenting on them, several passages of Scripture which give the why God saves a sinner. Now listen carefully. Follow them. Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Why did God choose us unto salvation? That we might be holy. Galatians 1, 4. Jesus, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and of our Father. We read also, 
in, in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 2 Timothy 3.12 Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now, have you been saved by the grace of God today? Now, notice if you have, what did that grace of God teach you? Listen, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And we had another five or six passages of Scripture we could bring to you, but we'll leave you with that. I think that's sufficient to say. Why has God saved any sinners? And it is or in order that they might be wholly saved from their sin and the power of sin and to live a godly life before him in this life. Now this brings up a second question then that we must deal with. Are we saved then to serve? If why has God saved us? Now it's the predominant teaching throughout the churches today that God saves the sinner so that they might serve him here. Now, I want to depart from that because I do not believe the Bible teaches that. I do not believe that the Bible teaches that the primary reason why God saves you is for you to serve him here. Now, I certainly believe that you ought to serve him. You ought to pray. You ought to read your Bible. You ought to go to Sunday school and church. You ought to witness to others about Christ. But, beloved, I want to ask you a question this morning. Is that all there is to Christianity? Is Christianity just a bunch of externals, of reading a little devotion in the morning, of saying a little prayer to God and asking Him for guidance today, and then telling others about Christ and then going to a church service like you've gone to this morning and listening to a few songs and hear the preacher preach. Is that all there is to Christianity? According to most today, that's about it. But, beloved, when individuals are converted today, then here's what they're immediately told that is their duty to God. They need to get busy doing something. They need to get involved. They need to start teaching a Sunday school class. They need to be an officer in the church. They need to go out on visitation. They need to hand out tracts. They need to read the Bible. They need to witness. Do this, 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 this. Get busy doing something. Because the predominant idea is that God has saved them to serve. 
Now, I want to depart from that because I don't believe that's the primary reason why God has saved you and I if he has done so today. Then if that is not the reason, what has God saved us for? He has saved us to pursue after a holy and a godly life which involves knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a basically a hungering and thirsting after that which is in God. This is called a blessed thing. In the Beatitudes we read, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. If Christianity was just going to church and singing songs and serving on committees and holding offices, my friend, I'd have left Christianity years and years ago because that's nothing but externals. Now, that isn't necessary. We must study the Bible. We must pray. We must have offices to hold. But my friend, there's a lot more to Christianity than just those things. The main goal in Christianity is the knowledge of God in the person of Christ, knowing what his will is, and then having a desire to be conformed to that will. If you don't have that as your pursuit, I don't care how long you've been identified as a Christian, how many offices you've held, whether you've preached for 20 years and you've taught for 30 years, you've missed the major thing of why God saves a sinner. Now, we, may I present this also to you for you to think on? It has always been my practice in the ministry not to teach or to preach that we are saved here for a lifetime of service. Rather, I believe this, which I believe the scriptures to teach. We are saved here to be prepared for a lifetime of service in the next life. I believe that from the time that God saves a sinner, until he is taken into the eternal state, God is preparing that person in order to enable him to serve in the life to come. Then what is to go on between this? It is a changing us from a love of self unto a desire for the holy will of God that one day we may be enabled perfectly to carry out his will on earth as it is now being carried out in heaven. And that's what we need to be concentrating upon, is do we really love the will of God? Do we want to be like God? And are we pursuing after the will of God as it has been revealed for us in the pages of the Bible? Now, I'm all for praying, I'm all for reading the Bible, I'm all for witnessing, I'm for going to church and doing all of these things. But, beloved, that is not the primary thing as to what God has saved us for. Have you ever wondered about all your singing and all your teaching and all your church going? Has it done any good? What has it really accomplished in your life? I hope it's accomplished some things. But if you haven't ever wondered about this, whether there's something more than just going to church and just listening to a sermon, then my friend, you're a rare one indeed. I used to become very dejected over this when I thought that all there was to know about being a Christian was just going to church and singing and then listening to a preacher preach. If that's all there is, 
then that you'll soon become dejected or you'll soon quit. And you know why so many people drop out of Sunday school and church today right after they're converted? Because they're immediately bombarded that all their life is now consists of is to start doing something. Get on this committee, that committee. Start serving here and here and here. And then they end up and they can't see the forest for the trees. My friend, when you start pursuing what the Lord has for the reason for saving a sinner is to start getting into the Word of God and beginning to grow in that Word and pursuing after Him, you won't have any problem with your Christian service. It will come as a natural thing. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But it will be a natural thing. It won't be a can thing. It won't be a forced thing. It will be something which will become second nature to you when you put God first in your life and pursue that which God has called you unto. It's a blessed thing. Now we also could read in the Bible of two sisters. One day Jesus came to their house. The sisters' name were Mary and Martha. And Martha, of course, she was all busy serving the Lord. She was out in the kitchen preparing the meal. And she was just running here and there and everywhere and making everybody miserable. And Mary was sitting in the living room there with the apostles listening as to what Christ was teaching. And finally, Martha just couldn't take it anymore. She came in and she said, Lord, why don't you get my sister in here and help me? She's just sitting out here doing nothing. And Jesus rebuked Martha and he said, Mary has chosen the good thing. She has chosen the one thing which is necessary. And Martha, Martha, you're cumbered about with much serving and much care. And all it's doing is that it's making you miserable and everybody around you miserable. But Mary, she's chosen the good part and that shall not be taken from her. And what had Mary chosen? She had chosen to pursue after the knowledge of knowing her Lord in a more personal and intimate way. And Martha, she was so busy out here doing things for her Lord that she had missed the one essential thing, which was the knowledge of Jesus Christ himself. Now, beloved, that knowledge is not just all poured into us when we first trust Christ. That is a lifetime project whereby we become more and more like him until finally God calls us on home where we shall be enabled to serve him perfectly as the angels in heaven do even now. Now holiness is, is a hunger then for the will of God. Holiness is brought about by a dying to sin. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Romans chapter 6 and, and verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We hear much today on the crucifixion of Christ, and well so, for that is the gospel. But how little we hear on man's crucifixion. Do you realize, beloved, that because Christ died on the cross, was buried and rose again, that when a person is called unto him, he is called unto a life of dying to self and being raised again to the new will of God, which is in Christ Jesus? 
You see, Christ died, but we also die daily. Paul says, I die daily. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that when we are called unto salvation, we are called unto a life whereby that we are dying to our own self-will and we have a new will which is the will of God revealed unto us. And this is the essence of our salvation. It is a changing us from the love of self unto God whereby one day we shall enjoy God perfectly. Now holiness is a love of righteousness. It's not only a despising that which is sinful, it is a love of righteousness. Holiness is a loving of that which God loves. What he desires, we desire. What he commands becomes our immediate concern. What offends him, offends us. What pleases him, also gives us pleasure. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my what? My commandments. When you love someone, does it not give you great satisfaction to make them happy? We that have married our wives, and we say we love them, how do we express that love except through acts whereby we show that love? If we say we love God, then how do we prove that love but by doing that which he delights in, loving that which he loves? And whatever offends him offends us. Whatever pleases God pleases us. One day Jesus was about to be baptized and the voice came down from heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now the Bible says that Christ lives in us if we have been made partakers of him. And if the life of Jesus Christ pleased God as our Savior when he walked here on earth, then should not his life be pleasing as he lives it out through us now on a daily basis? So holiness then is simply this, it is being what we are and doing what God desires without a conscious effort on our part. It is simply giving up of ourselves to him for Christ to live his life again all over again here on earth through us. Now Christ lived for some 33 years, almost 2,000 years ago. But what he is doing when he has saved a sinner is that he's living that life over again through that individual Christian. And if that life pleased God then the way he could say from heaven, this is my son, I'm well pleased with him, then God should be enabled to look down upon you and I today and say, I am pleased with that individual for Christ is living his life again through them. So we are living here in the midst of an evil world, but yet we're not to be of that world. Holiness is loving that which God loves, hating that which God hates, 
and desiring only to be used to glorify the Son of God in whatever manner he chooses, not what we choose, whether he chooses it in life or in death. The Apostle Peter asked to serve God, and Jesus said, All right, Peter, here's how you're going to do it. One day somebody's going to come and they're going to take your hands against your will and they're going to put you on a cross upside down. And then John records the words, This faith he signifying what manner of death in which he should glorify God. Are we submitted to the will of God to that extent that whatever God sees to bring into our life as he brought into the life of his own son here on earth can we say the will of the Lord be done? And can even if it means dying a particular type of death, if it be for the glory of God, can we say, I delight to have thy will done, O God? Holiness is a hunger for God, a doing and a being what he wants us to be. So we talk much then about the crucifixion of Christ, and yet, we talk very little about man's crucifixion in our daily life. Now this raises a very important question in bringing the sermon to a close this morning, and that is this. Do you and I really want to be holy? Do we really want to be like God? Do we really want the will of God to be predominant in our lives? God lives in us to do of his good will and his good pleasure. And his good pleasure is nothing less than making us to be holy, which in turn will prepare us for an eternity of nothing but the holiness of God. Now let's put some very searching questions to us this morning, and I hope you'll put them to you yourself as I've had to to mine. If we are not holy here, how could we enjoy heaven when there is nothing in heaven but holiness? Heaven is described as a holy place where none of the inhabitants do anything but the will of God. Now, if we do not want holiness here, could you and I be happy in heaven where there's nothing but holiness, nothing but the will of God. If we do not enjoy the sacred things of God here now, then what will eternity be like when we have nothing but the sacred things of God to enjoy? How shall we live in a state like that? How can we say that we're looking forward to meet, meeting Christ face to face? then we do not even meet him face to face in our daily life. We take off in the morning without ever stopping to say, Lord, your will be done in my life this day. If we do not enjoy the will of God here and meeting and communing with Christ face to face, how can we deceive ourselves into thinking we're going to enjoy that in heaven, of seeing him face to face? If we do not enjoy the fellowship of holy people now, what will it be like in eternity 
when there are no other kind of people. Have you ever thought about that? Quite often I visit in homes and invite people to church and do the preaching of the Bible and so forth. We invite them to come and they won't come. Now they have a reason for it. But the basic reason is that they don't want to be in the presence of the saints of God. They don't want to hear the type of preaching, they don't want to sing the songs which are sung, and they don't want to be around Christian people. And yet it's an amazing thing that when I ask them, well, do you have a hope of heaven? Yes. Well, what is your hope of heaven? Well, I'm going to go to be with Christ one day. I'm going to be in heaven one day. And yet they have no desire to be with Christ now. What makes them think that they shall desire to be with him then? We should not deceive ourselves into thinking that if we have no love for the things of God now, that somehow we'll have it in heaven. If we do not love the Bible now, what will we do in heaven when we have nothing but the word of God to feed upon? Now Jesus said that here man does not live by bread alone, but many people do. Many people go throughout their whole existence without the word of God to speak to them. Then if the word of God is not that which we seek for now, what makes us think that we shall enjoy heaven when in heaven there shall be nothing but God's word for us to feed upon. If we do not delight in prayer and exercising faith in the throne room of God now, what will we do when we have to carry on a conversation with Jesus Christ in the countless ages to come? Have you ever gone or met someone and just the few talked with them a few moments and you found out right away that you couldn't carry on a conversation with them. You just didn't have anything to talk about. I'm sure all of us have met people like that. I've met several of which that I found out that their vocabulary and their knowledge on certain things, I couldn't talk with them. I'd have to sit and listen and learn because it wasn't part of my nature to have been acquainted with those things. Now, beloved, looking seriously at this for a moment, how do we think that we would converse with Jesus Christ throughout the eternal ages if we don't know how to talk with him right here day by day? If we can't carry on in communion with Christ in prayer and, and meditation upon him now, what shall we say when we appear before him face to face and he starts talking with us? What shall we talk about if we don't have anything to talk about with him now? What are we but simply saying is to ask ourselves this question, do I really love the holiness of God? And is it that which I am pursuing after? Now how does this come? Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Now we'll close with this added admonition. Since coming here as your pastor, 
We have not been on your doorstep day after day trying to get you to start doing this and that and the other as far as serving here and there and so forth because that is not our style of ministry. But my friend, there is one thing that we have tried to do and which that to the best of our ability and with God's grace we can say with a clear conscience we have preached unto you the Bible and that if you want to be like Christ, you have had the scriptures revealed unto you. Now just as God withdraws life when there is not thankfulness for life, so we have to look in our own hearts and see. Then since the scriptures have been presented to you on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, the unsearchable riches of God are here. And we ask you a searching question. Am I then adhering to those scriptures, and am I hungry and thirsty after what is being presented? Or are the things of this life more important to me than becoming holy like God? You see, the people here in this congregation that are seeking after the will of God, I don't have any trouble at all about them being in Sunday school and church, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and carrying out their lives in this community. They have any problem. Because when you are seeking after holiness, your service for God will be there. But if you're not seeking after holiness, then my friend, you've missed the one thing which Jesus said is the important thing, and that is being conformed to the image of God in Christ Jesus the Lord. Let's stand together.